Welcome back to the Lawali Life Podcast. I'm your host, Alice Law, and this podcast is based purely around stress and loss with a mixture of incredible conversations with amazing leaders in their fields, sharing their stories on the greatest stresses and losses they've had to overcome, how they came back from them, with all their tips and tricks to get you back through yours. This podcast focuses purely on stress and loss because they are fates we all share to go through stress and to experience loss. So I wanted to dissect them further and get you the information you need to make sure that you can always come through yours. My guest today is the amazing JP Davidier. JP really is a very inspiring human being. He is a plant-based athlete, an inspirational speaker, a high-performance coach, and a best-selling author of multiple books. He coaches people on how to tap into their full potential and perform at their best by transforming their body, their mind, and their spirit. But he also has an incredible, incredible story, which is why I found him so inspiring. The story of how he got to where he is, but also a story of a horrific accident that I won't give away the details of until you listen to the episode. But what you'll realize after listening to him is just how powerful our mind and our intention really is in being able to recover from anything that life throws at us. And I really hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. so much for joining us JP I'm so excited to get into your whole story and I think people are going to learn a lot in this episode so thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thank you so much for having me Alice looking forward to our conversation. So I mean for starters I mean you are a coach and a speaker how did you go from I read you know before that you'd even got into DJing and all that how tell people a little bit about your journey from going you know as a young DJ to turning into a motivational speaker. Yeah, I definitely feel like a cat sometimes because I've had many lives. Uh, I, I grew up in Cape Town, South Africa, as you can hear my accent. I'm not from the UK. And I didn't have the worst life, but I, I didn't ha- have, have a life that I liked. You know, I shied away from life. I hid away from everything and everyone. I became a victim. I was bullied in school. I mean, I, I remember being traumatized in school, like, because I knew that if I went to school tomorrow, I was going to get my ass kicked because someone just randomly pointed to me and said, tomorrow I'm going to kick your ass. And, and I remember hiding in bushes and not knowing what to do. And then just eventually having my parents leave the house and saying, fuck it, I'm going to go back. I'm going to take my key, go back in the house. I'm going to close all the blinds and I'm just going to hide until school time's finished and then, pre- and then go pretend like, hey, I'm home now. <laughs> um, I mean, I hated school. I really, really did. And, but I found, uh, I found something that made me feel good through my teens. And I relied on that to get through school. I mean, if I didn't have this thing, I don't know. I, I definitely, definitely would have got into drugs and badly into drugs. But I found fitness instead. And I just used fitness as a crutch, as a tool, as a strategy to feel good and unfortunately because I just had that thing at the age of 19 when I left school I found another strategy for feeling good which was I moved to a new area I got a job and I started going out 
And I started clubbing and, and being in that scene. And now my thing for feeling good was girls and ecstasy and house music. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to be a cyclist anymore like I have been for the last few years. So let me put that on the back burner for now. And let me just enjoy being a teenager because I didn't get to enjoy it when I was being bullied in school. Uh, and then that took me on a journey of becoming a DJ because I was in love with the, the music scene. And that took me to moving to the UK because my grandfather was from the UK. So I knew I could get an ancestral visa. I eventually started working in London, started DJing in London. And by 23 years old, from 19 to finding house music at 19 and at 23 years old, I was a full-time DJ in London. I was DJing four nights a week. That was my job. I was earning very good money. And on New Year's Eve uh, that year, I ended up DJing in Riga, Latvia, at the, the most well-known club in Riga. And I'd become a rock star, you know, from this bully growing up, this kid that internally I had nothing and I was missing everything and I didn't have what other kids have and I wasn't charming and I wasn't good looking and I wasn't you know we didn't have money or not as much as most kids now at 23 years old I'm a rock star I'm fl I'm flown to this place I'm staying in the in the Radisson hotel first time ever in my life staying in a hotel being told your driver will be here to pick you up one hour to midnight I'm ushered through the club to the main stage, saying hi to the DJ before me, go to the backstage, VIP room, just me, my own waitress, have whatever I want. I'm a rock star. But when all of those things that I'd accumulated and consumed had disappeared the next morning at 5 a.m., I was alone, intoxicated, and more unhappy than I'd ever been in my life. And I thought, man, I, you know, I did so much to get away from my life that I had growing up, but I went down the wrong path. You know, we're always making decisions every day, every day. And all the decisions that I had made had taken me to where I was. So I thought, okay, I'm clearly getting life wrong here. And the reason why I knew without any doubt whatsoever that I was getting life wrong was because I was 23 years old and I was reminded of when I was 13 years old. My father was living very similar life to what I was living. Ego, hedonism, popularity, you know, being the cool guy, partying to way too much drinking, etc. And when I was 13 years old, my father took his own life. Because all of that stuff doesn't stay. You know, what's inside you, that's around you all the time. It's the first thing that you experience in the morning when you wake up, who you really are. It's the last thing before you go to bed. When everyone's disappeared, those feelings that you have and, and that life is just not sustainable. You know, yes, respectfully, people can be DJs and producers and stuff and have their, you know, have their life and head switched on. But I was not. I was all in guy. I still am an all in guy. The question is, what am I all in in? <laughs> and, and at 23 years old, I just figured, OK, I don't want to go in that direction. I'm not there, but I know that's where I'm heading. So if I came to the UK on my own and I made all these decisions to get me where I am, maybe I can start to make different decisions and I can start to day by day, start to move myself in a new path, a new direction. And I just went back to the UK. I got a coach and I started to work on myself, on my energy, 
on my mindset, on my, my health, my wellness, my, my goals. And day by day, my life just started to change. And two and a half years later, my life was completely unrecognizable. I was dating a 10 out of 10 Scandinavian woman. I was confident. My certainty was unshakable. My fitness was unbreakable. I was back in the gym. I was getting into Thai boxing. And I was starting to not only be asked by others, how did you do this? Like, how did you go from where you were, this druggy DJ, <laughs> even selling drugs, because you, you were always out and people needed drugs, so you might as well make some extra money from it, to now being this like fit, confident guy, super outgoing, extrovert. And I started to share the tools that I'd learned. But I'd only done it for me, 23 to 25. I only did it for me. I wanted to save my life. Never mind change it. I want to save my life. And then when I realized after being asked so many times that, hey, I know a lot of stuff now. Because my life depended on it, I went so deep on this self-mastery and getting my life right that I'd accumulated a huge toolbox of tools. And sharing it with others, Alice, brought me so much joy. To know that I could give someone or gift someone something that would make them feel better, which ultimately is all of our goals in life. Everyone in the world just wants to feel better. Ultimately, we just want to feel free to be our best selves and live our best life. And I knew I had tools to be able to take people and help them on that journey. And that's when I decided, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do next. So I've got to figure it out right now. I'm 25, 25 and a half what do I enjoy doing? Oh, I enjoy doing this stuff, being the student, and I enjoy teaching what I know. So I said, for the rest of my life, I'll be the student, protecting my own energy, uh, keep improving my life, and then showing other people how they can do the same. And for what's been 17 years since I started, I've written 15 books, five books. I've spoken in 17 countries. I've spoken on stages with Tony Robbins, Lisa Nichols, Jay Abraham, John Demartini, and, and many, many others. I've worked with some amazing people. Uh, but still today, I'm as passionate as I was when I was that age about learning how I can keep making better decisions for me, keep going in the right path, and then sharing those tools with people that choose to listen. That's how I came about doing this stuff. That's amazing. I mean, I think the most powerful thing is always when people go through something, find the tools they needed to save themselves and then use them and show other people how to do it because it comes from such a deep knowing and understanding. So, so in your whole journey so far, what has been the greatest stress or loss you've personally had to overcome? So two most pivotal and stressful moments in my life have been obviously the death of my father. But, you know, I had to work on that many, many years later. I only started to go to work on that when I was in my 20s because I didn't have the tools. I just thought that this is life. Life sucks. Life, life doesn't happen for you. It happens to you. Your goal in life is to survive. That's it. If you can get through the end of your life and you've survived, yeah, you did a good job. But in my 20s, I realized I needed to, I needed to deal with that. And I needed to spend a lot of time and invest a lot of time in that. And the second point was uh, my accident re last year. So 2019, I was doing a charity cycle, uh, just myself and a friend with a support vehicle. 
and we were cycling the length of the UK, 1,000 miles in 10 days. And on the eighth day, I was struck down by a hit-and-run drunk driver and literally left for dead on the side of the road. Uh, but now let me explain. At this point in my life, my career was soaring. Like I'd been six figures, six figures, six figures for seven years and it wasn't perfect, but it was doing well. And I thought, I honestly thought, beginning of 2019, this is my year. Everything that I've put in, now I'm going to start to reap the rewards. And I decided also I wanted to get back to boxing. I started boxing when I was in my 20s and my and my 30s. And then I broke my foot in a fight, uh, Thai boxing. So lots of kicking and knees. And, and I kind of put it off. And one of my things that I live by is to, to choose to live a life of no regrets, to rather regret the things that you did do than the things that you didn't do. And at, at 37 years old, I was like, man, I never gave it my all in boxing. And I don't want to have that regret that I, that I never went all in. So I thought, I'm getting old now, Alice. You know, I'm getting, I've got gray hair all over my chin. I thought, if I don't do this now, I know, I know, I know that I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. So I thought, okay, 2019, I said to my wife, because she's not a fan of me boxing, give me one year, just one year, and let's see what I can do. And in January and March, I had two fights. I won them both by technical knockout, meaning they didn't even, we didn't even finish the fight. The, the opponent was stopped. Uh, and I was told, JP, man, like, I always knew you had it in you, but if you keep fighting like this, I'll, I'll put you up for a belt to be able to have a championship belt in this league of, of uh, Thai boxing, right? There's many different leagues and associations uh, in the world. And I thought, well, that would be good enough for me. If I can get a belt, regardless of where that belt came from, if I can have one in my shelf for the rest of my life, that, that is me. And I thought, oh, and I'm so glad I did this. I'm all in. And I thought I'm going to go all in on being an athlete, full stop. And then, what, two months later, less than two months later, this accident happened. So now as a coach, a speaker, and an athlete, not just this being my job and my vocation, but my identity, this is who I have been my whole life. On the 22nd of May, 2019, my identity was ripped from me because I couldn't train, I couldn't earn coaching, I couldn't earn money speaking. My business dropped to zero. My athletic ability dropped to or nothing. I was lying in bed for months. So that, that has been my biggest loss I had to deal with. I but mean, I'm working through it. Yeah. It's just that story. I've heard more of it in the, you know, the, to let people realize how horrific this accident was. I mean, you woke up in hospital, didn't you? broken back or broken you know legs broken just multiple fractures and how long was that recovery for you because I want to talk about oh. the different things you did because I know that's really oh. interesting but in terms of being in actual hospital you know what was that experience for you waking up what was the first thought you had when you woke up and realized what had happened well first of all I wish I could say the recovery is over but it's still going on you know I feel as soon as I get out of bed, I'm aware of my injuries. The very second I take my first step, um, when I walk for prolonged periods of time or I run, I feel my injuries. Um, I still can just about start boxing. 
I can't, you know, I can just about do pull-ups. So it's still very much ongoing. But to go back to the accident, yeah, it was horrific. It was horrific. And to share something that I've not shared before, I was in court finally uh, just two weeks ago. And finally, the the person had guilty and you know they went to jail and everything like that. But because the case was finally finished, the police officer handling my case had got all of my clothes, my ripped clothes, my broken helmet, my bicycle. He said, I've got it all in the car, all of it. He said, do you want it? I said, of course I want it. But I'll be honest with you, I put it in the booth without, it was in plastic bags. Now, let me explain. The bike, imagine when you, imagine when you pick up a garbage bag, it's round. That's what the bag looks like with my bike in it because it was so smashed up. It's not like this big, long bag. The bike didn't break in two or three. It broke up into many pieces because of the impact of the crash. But I, I got the stuff from the police officer. I put it in my car, two bags, one with the clothing and all the bits, one with the bike. I came home without looking in it. I grabbed the top of the bags, put it into my shed, and it's still there. I can't get myself to look at it yet. So, so it's still very much in me. This, I'm still going through what I'm going through. But what happened was I was going down a hill. I would have obviously been going quite fast. And this driver was coming the opposite direction. He came over on my side, hit me head on. And I flew many, many meters. My bike was smashed into pieces. Like I said, I actually flew off the road. I was down a bank. Apparently, uh, they believe I was hit by a tree. But that's why I didn't go further down. And I don't remember any of the accident, nothing. I have post-traumatic amnesia. I have zero memory of what happened. So eventually I was found. Uh, someone saw my bike lying everywhere and they thought, what? That's very strange. And they just meet us before, saw a car with a smashed windscreen driving, on, driving towards them. And they got out of their car and they heard screams and it was me. And they came and found me and I was rescued. Eventually I was rescued by helicopter, ambulance, then helicopter, and I spent two weeks in intensive care. I was fully conscious after about 10, 11 days. I'd drop in and out, but I wasn't really aware of what was going on. And being able to have a conversation with someone until about 10 or 11 days. I spent about six weeks, seven weeks in hospital, um, just waiting to get better, you know, and just, just doing the work that I needed to do. And, you know, when you're going through challenge or loss or anything in life, I always say to my clients, have two strategies, persistence, like have, you know, have the persistence, have the willpower, all those things. But at the same time, you've got to have patience. You've got to have patience. And I just had this, I had, I balanced myself between persistence and patience and push, push, push. And then JB, take it easy. Like it's not going to happen overnight. And I just day by day, persistence and patience. And that looked like, after a few weeks, you know, lifting my legs one inch from the ground, 10 times each, and then rest for the rest of the day. And then eventually that became, you know, be persistent trying to get up and sit up and then rest and don't give yourself a hard time for not being able to get all the way up. And, and, and that's what I did. And, and, it's, and it's very different now, 17 months later, but I'm still doing the same stuff, persistence and patience.
I did a 12-hour cycle on my indoor trainer on my bike on Monday uh, because I wanted to inspire people to keep pushing through right now. I keep pushing through the pain, push through the discomfort because there's stuff waiting for you on the other side. But I'll be honest, Alice, it's taken me the whole week to recover. And that's just not me normally. But like I said again, persistence and patience. I love that. I mean, patience particularly is such a... I think it's such an important thing that people need to really focus on at the moment because we need to be patient with the outside circumstances. We've got no certainty for when that's going to change. And we also really need to be patient with ourselves. Like you say, like you being patient with yourself, what part of, you know, what role did patience and kindness within your own mind play in your recovery? Because it's so easy for us to go down these, these negative spirals when we're in so much pain. And you obviously had an incredible toolbox at your at your disposal at your disposal but did you find you sort of still had those moments where you were like shall I just give up or did you just you know what was that experience for you with your mindset and your recovery so first of all I would have I never had that thought of wanting to give up or um you know I'm a victim for the rest of my life I have just been studying this stuff for too long and where anything in our life that once is an idea like let's say patience if you can take that idea and put it into practice, eventually anything in your life that you practice long enough, it becomes your nature. It becomes part of who you are, your DNA, your identity. So because I've been practicing the substance at the age of 23, resilience and mindset and positive, you know, attitude. When I woke up in hospital, I mean, I just, that was my nature, you know, and people joke with me and because I made jokes in intensive care when, you know, they were like JP, you know, try and move your head. I've got pipes coming out my neck. I had broken both of my legs in multiple places. I'd broken my arm, punctured my lung, broken ribs, uh, heart trauma. I had stomach surgery. I've got a scar up my stomach. I had a chest infection in intensive care. Um, I've got metal uh, titanium rods through the middle of my bones holding my legs together. I've got plates and screws in here. And I had none of this before. But I... So I came out of intensive care, looked down, realized, you know, and I'm attached to like cables and weights to make sure, you know, my legs are not being moved around. And I, I honestly just said, Alice, it is what it is. It is what it is. What am I going to, how, I said this in a coaching session yesterday or a webinar, I think. I said, how is complaining about where you are serving you or fueling you to get out of where you are? There is no amount of negativity or no amount of complaining that will actually change your current situation. It just doesn't help. So, so I just, my nature was to get into positivity and look as a speaker, right? This is funny, but it's the truth. The people close to me that were in hospital, they know this is the truth. I woke up as a speaker, having a story is very powerful, as you can tell, we're having, you know, we're having a conversation now that's being shared worldwide because of my story. So I've had my own stories, my father's passing, 23, getting into hedonism and all and lots of other stories. But when I woke up and realized what had happened to me, I'm lying on my back, looking at the ceiling in intensive care. I'm drugged up on morphine and I'm lying there with my hands strapped up. And I, when they told me what happened to me, I just thought, man, this is great for marketing. <laughs> and I just thought, because the, for the rest of my life, I get to share this story with people. So 
so yeah so that's always been my attitude but to come back to what you shared before which is how did patience serve me i've always been very fast moving in my life and if i did if i wasn't willing to practice and embrace patience and grace and ease through this recovery it would be very easy for me to become a victim because i'd be focusing on what's missing in my life what went wrong or where i'm not anymore where i used to be and if these things ever creep up and they do sometimes i'll have a little cry and i'll think man i'll go for a run i'll feel the pain and i'll think it's been a year you know am i ever going to get back to being able to run four marathons back to back or you know five marathons over five days like, am i ever going to be able to get back to that? that that's a bit sad but then i have to say jp it's only been a year like just take your time take your time because life doesn't rush let me explain what i just said the world rotates at the same speed <laughs> right the seasons change pretty much around the same time every day the tide goes in the tide goes out rivers flow at the speed at which they flow life doesn't rush but we rush life by what we tell ourselves in our head so i always tell myself jp you why are you choosing to rush this go at the speed of life go like a, a friend said to me once go with the wind when you go with the wind you go with the flow and then then there's no resistance and yeah that's it this real patience has really helped me and it's something i've really had to embrace really had to embrace i would say that it patience wasn't in my toolbox but i knew that if i didn't use this tool that i would suffer yeah it must be well installed in your toolbox now that's for sure i mean it's uh it's like you say why do we try to rush something that you know we have no control over it almost goes back to that need to control as humans I was talking about this the other day with someone on the podcast is how much we all have this need to control and how much trying to control causes us stress and even greater suffering so the opposite of that so, being kind and patient and um, compassionate to yourself and just surrendering essentially to what was is yeah it's very powerful powerful thing it's incredible so you did some incredible healing modalities as well you know since then i've read you did all sorts and i'd love you to love to get into those because i mean you did some <laughs> stuff of like dr joe dispenser and all these things what would you say is the greatest one that saw the most benefit for you good question so let me go back to after the accident i'm in hospital and i'm used to having all these practices in my life fitness being one of them and now i've got broken legs broken arm and scars all over my body and stitches and all the thing i'm thinking i'm not going to be able to do what i do for a long time so if i can't practice my physical fitness over the next year what can i do instead and i and i knew i knew that going through a moment of time a moment of trauma a moment of loss can shape you in a great way and it can also shape us in a very way you know this 
we all know some people, I'm, I'm sure that most of us know people that one thing happened to them in their life and then they define their lives by that one thing. Oh, I am this way because of that thing that happened to me. And I thought, what's going to allow me to, or may, what's going to help me make sure that that doesn't become me, that I don't become that bitter old man that says, oh, I could have been this, but I was knocked off my bike. And I thought it's not my physical fitness, it's my spiritual fitness. It's my heart mastery. I've got to work on my inner game over the next year. So I looked at ways to do that. So I, I lived in silence in a meditation center for 16 days, practicing Vipassana meditation, which is uh, 10, 10 and a half hours of meditation a day. Uh, so you're doing 100 hours of meditation in seven days. And then I did another six days, which is like six hours, seven hours of meditation a day, but pure silence, no human interaction, no talking, even during meals, you can't even gesture. You can't even like, you know, say to someone, oh, go through the door before me. Like there's no communications. You are, you are inside yourself without any uh, disruption or distraction at all. And that was very, very powerful for me. I also spent a week doing an advanced meditation retreat with Dr. Joe Dispenza, which is, or he is one of the leading experts on heart mastery, on master, mastering your inner game through and changing your energy and changing your, and healing your body and changing your life just through meditation and breathing. Uh, I've also embarked <clears throat> looking to keep healing myself from the inside out which is where all change is created in our life that is sustainable i got into plant medicine as well so i've known about plant medicine for a long time and uh, i've been on plant medicine ceremonies and retreats and spent hours you know, uh, getting rid of trauma and working on myself and healing myself i've also spent some time living in a monastery and a Shaolin temple, uh, training Kung Fu and Qigong and Tai Chi with monks and climbed to the roof of Africa. I've climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, which was a very, very spiritual experience, collecting, connecting with the land, connecting with my continent where I'm from and climbing to the highest peak of that continent. It wasn't just a physical thing. It was spiritual because it was a metaphor for my life. It's a metaphor for anyone's life. You know, you don't know what's ahead. You don't know how hard it's going to be, but keep climbing. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other and you'll get there. And that was so incredible for me, that experience, that I'm actually going back again in February 2021. So even though it was like the worst experience of my life, <laughs> it was the best experience of my life. And what was the best out of all of those I don't think I would be doing the others justice if I said that one was better than the other. They were all extremely powerful. Joe Dispenza is one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Vipassana, silent meditation and living in silence like a, like a monk was one of the best things I've ever done. Going to live in a Shaolin temple with, and learn from a 35th generation Shaolin monk uh, that's one of the best things. And I mean, Kilimanjaro clearly like, cause I'm going back again. That was one of the best things. So they're all, they're all different, but they were all very powerful. And if anyone's looking to deal with loss, to find ways to move forward in their life, uh, to be able to heal their life from the inside out by healing yourself, I would recommend all of these things. But if I was to recommend only one of the different experiences that I just shared, 
to start with, it's Vipassana meditation. When you go live in silence and you have no friends, no pressures, no work, no media, no TV, nothing, you're left with yourself. And when you're left with yourself, you're left with the truth. And you can never live your best life unless you're willing to face yourself and face your own truth of what is really going on. Remember I shared with you before, Alice, that you know the truth of how we feel and the truth of who we are is the thoughts that go through our head in the first moments of your day and the last moments before you go to bed when everything else is there. Now imagine having those moments all day, every day for 10 days minimum. You're just with yourself. That's scary. And some people can't do that. And the reason why they can't do that is because they're afraid of facing themselves, themselves, themselves. Themselves, yeah. <laughs> themselves, either yeah. one. <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, it's such an amazing, amazing group of things you've done. I mean, Dr. Joe Dispenza is one of my favorite, favorite teachers of all time. I think his work's incredible. And um, meditation, I still can't advocate for it more you know I say to every single person I meet or teach or anything to meditate because of that exact thing like you say silence with yourself it's about getting to know yourself as much as it is of having that peace so what did you what was the greatest truth you discovered about yourself when you were living with Buddhist monks you know what did that show you about yourself Wow, great question. I don't think I've ever been asked this question before. What is the greatest thing that I learned about myself that I want to I want to rather than be known for what I've achieved while I'm here, I want to be known for the message that I left behind. Let me let me show what I mean. I don't, want to, I don't want to be known as being successful. Like, I am successful in my, in my own way. Like, I, I feel very successful. Um, but I don't care about being known for that. What I care about is being known for how I was able to help people heal themselves. And the only way for me to be able to have the biggest impact while I'm here and help in helping people heal themselves is I have to constantly keep healing myself. So I am so committed to going deeper and deeper and deeper and going on more explorations and expeditions and plant medicines and living with monks. I mean, I was just thinking about yesterday going back to the monastery because the more I can heal myself, the more I can heal others. And and I, and I want to be a role model. I want to be a role model for people while I'm here. That's it. That was the, the biggest thing that I took away, that all business success, monetary success, financial success, all of that stuff is a, a bonus to me. But the only thing I care about is being the best human being that I can be and being a student of life, healing myself as I go through life. And then as I'm able to heal myself and fill myself up, I just want to be able to share that with people that choose to listen. And uh, I got clarity on this one day because I was meditating and I thought of a, a quote that Mahatma Gandhi once shared or a story about Mahatma Gandhi. He was asked, you, share, you talk about so much 
what exactly is your message? And he said to this person asking him the question, my life is my message. And I just thought, that is it. That is it. I've said for years, don't watch my mouth, watch my feet. Don't be so obsessed by what I say. Watch what I do. I want my life to be my message. And then if people want to follow me up the mountain physically or metaphorically, they're more than welcome. I don't need to change the whole world. I don't need to influence the world. I just, I want to be helpful to those that want to heal themselves. And I need to keep doing that myself. Great question. Really, really great question. Thank you. And that's, um, that's an amazing, amazing answer. And I, I love that. Uh, I mean, that Gandhi quote's incredible and is such a powerful powerful point and it's it's so true in the way that we can only take people as far as we're willing to go ourselves otherwise how can you possibly how can you possibly take them that far or further wisdom right there but um spirituality i mean you've had an incredible spiritual journey from this whole experience and i always ask everyone on the podcast this question because spirituality to me is it's so wonderful in the sense that it's not like religion in a set construct and I've got nothing against religion, but spirituality means something different to everyone and people can interpret it their own way. So what does spirituality personally mean to you? Awesome question again. So for me, I believe that the most important thing in life is relationships or our relationships and that there's three types of relationships that we need to be, that we want to have healthy relationship one is a healthy relationship with ourself two is a healthy relationship with everyone else in your life whether professional or personal or family and then three is a relationship with a higher power something bigger than yourself and what this allows you to do is it allows you to live your life of ego if you keep understanding and knowing thyself through your creator whichever you believe or whoever you believe your creator is then it keeps you in a godlike state, infinite, possible, abundant, as opposed to separate, which is my, you know, like my life is just me. There is nothing bigger than me. And when you get into that, you get into ego. And that is when you edge God out rather than being in a godlike state, in faith, in abundance, believing that you, there is a divine plan for you that, you know, there is more, work being done that you cannot see, then you can stay in this God-like state, God standing for good orderly direction. So I'm not religious. I've studied religion, Islam, Buddhism, Christianity. I grew up as a Christian. I was in the Methodist church. But yeah, spirituality for me means in a nutshell, having a connection to something greater than yourself. Just that one thing being connected to something greater than you will give you a happier life because every single human being on this planet seeks to feel connection. And if you don't have it in a healthy way through the universe, mother earth, father, sky, Jesus Christ, Krishna, however you get your connection, if you don't get it in a healthy way, because it is a human need, you will go get it in an unhealthy way. Drugs, heroin, cigarettes, alcohol, cheating, even misery, you can be addicted to, you can be connected to misery because it keeps having people feel sorry for you. But uh, connection is everything. And that's for me what spirituality is. If you ask me what is 
how do you describe spiritual fitness? How fit are you in this in the area of spirituality? I would ask this question. How connected do you feel? Yeah, I love that you say that because I actually always say, um, I answered that question for myself in one of the first ever podcast episodes I did, and which is why I now ask other people. And I had a very similar answer to you, which is that I believe that spirituality is a greater connection within ourselves and a greater connection to something bigger outside of ourselves. So I love that you say that. I truly believe it is all about connection and whatever way that comes within and without. So it's, um, and it is, I'm so glad that you agreed. It is whatever, like it could be that you just say, you know what? Trees are connected to the earth. I'm going to, I'm going to make a connection with trees. Go, I know that sounds ridiculous, but if you're unhappy or depressed, go sit by a tree. You don't even have to hug the tree. Just I go sit trees. under the tree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what Buddha did for many, many years. He just sat under a tree. <laughs> and if you go walk in nature make nature your spirituality or m- make nature the thing that you are connected to that's greater than you uh, ground yourself every day if you feel down you feel like you're in loss or despair get to the nearest piece of grass take your shoes off put your feet on the ground and watch what happens you'll just feel better that's spirituality so makes you feel better it does that's so true. I think nature as well, thinking of that point, it's it's such a it's such an important part of spirituality. And I think we can learn so much from nature. I love that expression of um saying, you know, watch what the tree does. It doesn't try to resist the wind, it goes with it so the branches don't break. But we always try to resist and resist and just watching nature and seeing those natural flows and ebbs, I think we can learn so, so much, so much from it. So I, I really believe that as well. And another thing on the tree, if you watch its branches and the wind, there can even be chaos, but the trunk of the tree always stands firm. Mm. And there's a great lesson there, you know. Don't be the leaves of the tree, be the tree. Yeah, I love that. So to finish, it's an amazing conversation. Thank you. What is one quote or mantra that you try to live by daily that keeps you on track or inspires you? I think I said it before, and it's, it is what it is. Total acceptance and a word that you used before, which I love, which is surrender. Like, don't, don't make things worse than they are. Like, that is a choice. Like, firstly, meditate, take a deep breath, and just breathe, and just say, it is what it is. Just accept what is, and then go make it better than it is. Like, your past doesn't have to define your future. What will define your future is what you do now, and now, and then now. <laughs> like, in each and every moment, we are defining our future. So choose to, to let go of what was or what wasn't. And free yourself up to be fully present now in this moment and then start creating a better future. And just start by saying, like I said, when I woke up in intensive care, it is what it is. Let me start going to work on making this better. And that requires you know, us to be a grown-up, 
You know, there's three, there's three types of people in us. A grown up, every human being has the grown up within them. That's functional, responsible, logic. We have the teenager that's irritable and rebellious and says, F you, if you don't agree with me. And then we have a scared, vulnerable child, needy child. And sometimes we are operating from the teenager and the child. So, this kind of work, saying, hey, it is what it is, let me surrender and move forward, that's not the child or the teenager, that's, that's grown-ups' work. Yeah, I love that, and I think it's a really powerful message to leave with people, particularly this year, because it really is what it is, and we just all need to accept that and keep going. And it's been so wonderful speaking to you, JP. Thank you so oh. much. Your story is so inspiring, and um, I love everything you've learned from it and how you now can teach people all about it such a in-depth sort of knowing and wisdom from your own terrible terrible accident so thank you so much for sharing it with us well thank you so much for having me again Alice and just to you know to add on to what I just said to everyone listening to this you know I say it is what it is move on you know in a, in a very respectful way I'm not saying I'll oh, just get over it you know like this thing happened to you you shouldn't you shouldn't be thinking about it anymore I'm saying nothing Nothing will help you move forward. Sorry, nothing about holding on to that negative experience. Nothing, nothing about that will help you move forward. You've got to be able to free yourself from the darkness of that moment. Hold those things here. Hold loss here. You know, anything that you've been through in your life, hold it here. But whatever you have been through, you have been through, you're not still in it. So for anyone that, you know, when I say make it what it is, it is what it is, make it what it is, make it better than it is. I'm going to share one more thing, this one more thing uh, to describe what that looks like for the rest of your life. Stand on your story, not in your story. Because if you're still in your story, it's going to affect you 10, 15, 20, 30 years. From Stand on your story. That's what I've done. I hope that's been very clear. Thanks again, Alice, so much. And thanks for everyone listening. No, thank you. I love that. Stand on your story, not in it. It's a, it's a great way, great way to end. And you definitely did that today. So thank you for sharing with us. hope you enjoyed today's episode with the incredibly inspiring story of JP. His accident and more just only goes to prove how we really can recover from anything when we put our mind to it and I hope that you find his story inspiring to help you keep motivated and moving forward in your own life in the little ways that we can at the moment and know that there's always light at the end of the tunnel. If you are enjoying the episodes then please click subscribe and download them all so I can continue to bring you more amazing inspiring stories like his from around the world and help you through your own stresses and struggles. Stay tuned.